0: Station SI, the two Gonzaga former players, Adam Morrison, Dan Dick, out here to break things down, both what we just saw against Pepperdine, second episode later today, we'll be recording, touch a little bit on BYU and Santa Clara, which is the upcoming week of games, but Mo, that first minute 51... Mm-hmm where they jumped out 10-0, that might've been the greatest stretch I've seen from Gonzaga this year. Would you agree or what did you see?
1: Yeah, I thought the pace was good. I thought I was a little bit concerned naturally coming off of, uh, you know, a long break with the COVID pause. So I was interested to see, you know, if rust or conditioning per se, like game conditioning, I would say they've been working out would be a factor Um, and it wasn't. It was just, uh you know, fast break, fast break, good shot after good shot. So I was really impressed with how they... uh. Know, kind of took it to Pepperdine early and kind of take away, you know, belief for a team like that.
0: Yeah. 117 to Mm -hmm. 83. I mean, and I think the first like six minutes, they had 25 points. And if you like, in, in this is the fan in, in anybody, like, whoa, they're going to score 180 points. Yeah. (laughs) What was, what was it like for you and, and Huddy when you were calling the game on radio, like, as far as like, hey, we're looking at a 60 point game here?
1: Yeah. We were trying to be like, you know, we hope it doesn't become, that type of game obviously you want us to be uh, sharp offensively so um, you know I was always thinking well maybe they get to 120 it was about because usually it tops off a little bit and slows down but I was happy just to see the pace and the fluidity to be honest not just because they score but I'm talking about coming off a break offensively it's that's our main focus every single year with Gonzaga obviously defensively numbers are decent in the top half of the country right and the important factors, but offensively is where we make our hay. And so when we had that break, I was kind of worried, okay, how is this going to work out for this group who was still young, getting used to each other and trending up offensively. So I was happy to see, you know, like you said, the first six minutes, 25 points, rolling, taking good shots, ball pinging. So it looked like they were back to you know, what they were before the pause.
0: Yeah, and I think defensively what stood out to me is they were great on ball, mm-hmm. active hands, and then I love that adjustment now coach fews done that a lot this year i think years past maybe they should have done it more mm-hmm. is when they go that three quarter court press and 30, um anton's been extremely active and now hunter salas you put him at the top yeah. that's that's an interesting look cuz i think his instincts defensively for a freshman are as good as i've seen in quite a while
1: yeah no i think uh coach fews done a good job of mixing that you know he's, it's called 30 everybody knows it but it's still 122 two, and you set it up after uh you know, usually free throw makes and you do it in in situations, especially if a secondary ball handler comes in or secondary point guard. And it's not like you're going, you know, like a college press to me is like, you're not trying to, you're trying to turn them over, but you're not trying to gamble to give up baskets, you know? So you kind of soft press and you can maybe eat eight seconds off the shot clock as well and make teams to play a little bit faster because they know they they can't play as fast against Gonzaga. But I think, like you said, putting like a guy like Hunter, Anton's been up there as well, but just some of that active wing, uh, you know, could get your hands. Because when we ran it, we several Earl Knight at that spot and it was perfect for him. Similar situation like Hunter, yeah. just super athletic. And you force a guy to a side and make him throw that, you know, l- arcing sure. pass um, back and forth. You kind of give that up and try to get a trap across half court.
0: Well, that's yeah. one of the interesting things I think. In It's like a nuisance press. Yes. Just take eight seconds off and mm-hmm. try to guide the ball into a non decision makers hand. Yeah. And I think they did that twice to, I think Fisher of Pepperdine where he caught it, uh, you know, at the three point line, yeah. with like 16 seconds left. And he thinks it's a good shot or a good attack and exactly. he goes, and that's a lot of times what you're trying to do is just get them out of sorts offensively. Yeah. How do you, how would you attack
1: that as an offensive player? I think, you know, for a unit, you know, offensively, I think you're going to have to make one or two ball reversals and then you have to be I guess the word strong enough to be able to after that ball reversal is try to split a trap or take away that angle because they try to angle you into that, you know, here's half court. they right across half yeah. court and trap you there. So I think all fakes and then one or two swings is kind of how you have to beat it. And you kind of have to just be, you know, mentally tough and strong with the basketball. I know it sounds oversimplified, but you put a guy in the middle, you put two guards back. You always have your 40 foot cross court skip pass, but they try to bait you into that too. Yeah. If they put an athlete on the backside. So it's always interesting to, um, you know, X and O against that type of thing. But I think you put a guy in the middle and then after you get one or two ball swings, I mean, your point guard, you understand this, you just kind of have to go because mm-hmm. the defense has shifted to the other side and try to beat it. But what it does, like you mentioned with the Fisher kit from Pepperdine, it, forces you it, it baits you and it be like oh we broke the press yeah 18 footer we haven't ran anything this is a good shot because i'm open and it, a lot of times it's not you get long rebounds you can run on the other, other end
0: How, what do you what's your thoughts on the difference of the nba versus the college mm-hmm. game in regards to like say that press you break it there's 15 seconds on the yeah. clock in the college mm-hmm. game everybody freaks out. Like we don't have enough time to get into a set or in the NBA. It's like, you might run a set with nine seconds on the clock because you know where you're going to get to and guys can get, uh, to their spots and
1: get something off in a, in a short amount of time. What's the difference that you look there? Well, I think in, you know, some of the college programs or philosophies, they're a little more rigid, obviously. And then the skill level is not there. Um, so coaches do try to control their team from taking shots where, in the NBA, you know how it is. Sometimes, it's like, if the shot presents itself at eighteen or at eleven, what's the difference? Yeah, right. It's the best. If that's the best shot you're gonna get, you get might as well take it. Um. So I think in college, a little bit you can bait teams into doing that where the guys aren't as skilled obviously and that's not a knock but they're still good division one basketball players but there's some guys that can't shoot from here to the wall right and we watch them all the time and and they leave them open for a reason and they bait them into taking that or they bait them into ball screen stuff where it's a pick and dive guy and you're like go ahead and throw it and we'll just wall up at the rim and see if he can finish and i you know usually they don't league that's not the case as well so i think it's a you know a good mix, but. We're spoiled with gonzagas they're always so skilled yeah. for the most part i mean when's the last non-skilled basketball player at gonzaga that played meaningful minutes i mean it's hard to think of it's over it, a it might take
0: it might take us the rest of this recording at of the least. podcast to kind that's of go through saying. that like that it's almost a
1: decade of like thinking of a guy that's like completely just a role player screener kick it out if you get it like usually our guys can at least Function right.
0: That's where this fan base is so spoiled, mm-hmm. and Coach Few and his staff do such a good job of of navigating the evaluation and the recruiting yeah. to like, is he really going to fit or are they not? Because you you can't just take a guy because of the athleticism; yeah. he has to have the complete package
1: to be successful at Gonzaga. Yeah, you got to be skilled. Uh, Few we always like skilled players, and I I agree with that philosophy. Yeah, nine times out of ten, skill is going to win. Obviously. You get in situations where you, you you know, you want to play bully ball a little bit. Look, i am just going to reference the Baylor game that, I mean, they had some guys that weren't very skilled, but they could go out and hit, but as a core philosophy for your program and the success that we've had year in and year out, you take skill every single time.
0: Well, how about that? You look at the AP just came out, Baylor and Gonzaga,
1: Mm -hmm. top two
0: again. It's unbelievable. And you know, you don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's a that would be a heck of a crash, uh, you know, direction to to crash into them in the NCAA tournament again.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Two
0: completely different backcourts, yeah. and that would be fun.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that uh, everybody in that locker room and uh, staff wise, especially wants the, you know, replay that game.
0: Yeah, back to the Pepperdine game, 117 to 83. I know we focus on GU, but Mm -hmm. I, I was impressed at least with the potential of Pepperdine's freshmen, Maxwell Lewis, six, seven wing, uh, Houston Mallette, and
1: then, uh, the Mitchell junior point guard. Yeah. What were your thoughts on them after seeing them? I liked Lewis. I thought he was super athletic, long. Um, you know, he got out and transitioned a couple of times on, you know, just jump out strips and stuff like that. Um, looks like it, he didn't shoot it great, but it looked good coming off his hand. I was reading somewhere. I think he was, you know, he was one of those kids that left high school early and to try to like train. train. Yeah. And so you could see where that, you know, his frame and like I said, the athleticism is there. So he's definitely got potential, but you know, it's, it's also one of those deals where you're like, I mean, you gotta, you know, start stringing together games and, and stuff like that, but he's a young kid. And so, yeah, they, they always coach Romark and recruit. Yeah that's never a problem with uh, their crew. You know what I mean? He always can get talented players. I mean, Colby Ross was one of the best West coast uh, conference guards of all time. If we're really being honest, right. Overall. And then the two Edwards brothers the last couple of years were good. So he's always had talent. It's just, if he can put it together, I guess as a, a unit, I'm not, Knocking him as a coach, I'm just sure. saying. Like they, they always have talent.
0: Yeah, they do always have talent. They also have some good coaches yeah, as assistants. So yeah. I was just going to ask you, Ken Bone. He's mm-hmm. there. He spent time at UW with him. He was
1: a head coach at Washington yeah. State. When you spent time was a grad assistant yeah. with you, was Ken Bone there? Yeah, Ken was here. He's awesome. X and O guys. Uh, I mean, that's I think why Lorenzo brought him in is to kind of give him the X and O stuff. But he helped us with like he, he, I think he was here the year. We had Drew Barum coming off the bench. So we we're really small. And we we kind of did a lot of the pick and roll stuff with a, a dive and a, you know, a shooter mm-hmm. to hold teams to you know not help on the backside. It was kind of Ken helping Coach Few kind of a new philosophy for yeah. Coach Few. You know what I mean? Well, because
0: he can be he, that's the great thing about Coach Few is mm-hmm. he can be stuck in his ways sometimes mm-hmm. with his rotations. Yeah. Uh, but he is open to trying new things if it makes sense because that's when I look at like the ball screen continuity Mm -hmm. that's where he's really improved and now the spacing and and the the secondary actions is just my mind-boggling how much space is on the floor
1: yeah no they've done a good job of like I said pick and dive situations where you you know rotate a shooter to the backside, so that guy guarding the shooter has to make a choice whether tag the roller or not and then you know the secondary actions off of that read of whatever the defense, how they present themselves is light years to what we, I mean, what we used to do is a lot different. We were kind of more, I'm sure you guys were a little more stagnant and flex. Yeah, we did.
0: We did ran a lot of flex. And then I remember watching your group. I mean, early in your career, you had Blake, who was a great ball handler Mm -hmm. passer, all that. But I mean, they were running you off single doubles yeah. and, and I don't think they ran loop actions, but diamond actions where you could come out either direction. And then the, the sole focus is just get a hit on your guy yeah. and then get you to check your shoulder coming off the screen. Do I have a catch and shoot or do oh, I have right, a catch, catch and go? And go. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, you look at it as like you come off a dribble handoff and you're like, I got the roll. I got the place, I got exactly the skip. I got, swivel, I got the
1: swivel. Yeah. And hit the post and that. Yeah. It's fun to watch. And it's one of the reasons we've been so successful offensively last decade.
0: Andrew Nemhart put on a passing clinic in that first half. Mm-hmm. You played with two really p- good point guards in Blake and Derek Ravio. Mm-hmm. Is there another point guard that you would have wanted to play with because they could just find guys?
1: Uh, like Gonzaga? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, John. <laughs> That's the easy one. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> Uh, Perk obviously we got to throw Perk in there. Yeah. I mean, he made good decisions off the ball screen actions and stuff like that. But it, again, those eras were so different. You know, like you were score first point guard, right? So like, and I was like, throw me the ball type of player. So like, <laughs> we would have worked, seeing, but it
0: would have been like uh, well, my just, turn.
1: Yeah, just seeing point guards now, they you know they're trying to hit the dive and they're trying to hit the backside. Um, you know, so I guess. Any of them, really? I mean, you know, he's like a really good passer now. That's funny. He's like Jeremy Pargo. Just watch him play professionally now. Yeah, it's like, oh, where was this when you were at Gonzaga? And he always laughs because he's like, well, I became a man and a pro, and I figured it out. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, there's always some good point guards at Gonzaga. But just throw me the ball and get out of my way.
0: <laughs> I love it. Throw me the ball. And get. Out. Yeah. I want to talk about the Gonzaga freshman in a second, but you mentioned Jeremy Pargo. Mm-hmm he is a pro and I guess you could put Kevin Pangos in that mix right now where they were really good about. Well, yeah, but they were really good college players just couldn't quite find their footing in the NBA right off the bat. They go have tremendous European careers. Jeremy had a little bit of time in the NBA. Pangos is now what, what allowed those guys
1: to make it back to the NBA after going to Europe? That's a good question. I think Jeremy's, just kind of figured out how to play the point guard position and especially in European basketball, if you can't do the proper reads guy goes under, you gotta be able to shoot it cause the, the lane's clogged. I mean, you understand that. And then, um, you know, if you don't make the right, they they've played pick and roll longer at a younger age, if that makes sense. So everybody kind of understands the space of the floor mm-hmm. movements in European basketball. Um, so if you can't do that, it's not going to work out. Well, the NBA has morphed into that and it's, it's better basketball. It's more open and more fluid. So I think it was just a self-preservation thing for both of those guys. They're obviously good players, but they realized like, okay, if I can do these things off of these certain reads, it's going to turn into dollars for me. It's going to give me an opportunity in the NBA and it's worked out for both of them. Yeah.
0: I call it manipulating pick and rolls. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not going to shoot it because of whatever the read Defensively is happening, yeah. but you just get the guy to string it out two more feet, three, feet, three yeah. more feet. So you have spacing or an angle to, to, to make the right play. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, and Pangos didn't get in, uh, hasn't played much this year, but to the games he's played, mm-hmm. I think he's played well. Yeah. So back to the freshman, we talked about Pepperdine's nucleus yeah. of young guys. Chet Holmgren's Chet Holmgren. I mean, he's going to be a top three pick. Mm-hmm. Um, there's strengths and, and weaknesses to, to, NBA evaluators eyes and for him yeah but Hunter Salis and Nolan Hickman are I think starting to get it what yeah. do you see
1: yeah I think Nolan uh is a terrific score you can kind of see he has those tendencies to, you know take floaters and and shoot step back so you could tell like in high school obviously that's kind of his game you know obviously he's he can pass off the screen roll but like I think he's more of a score first point guard so I think as time goes on, he'll have that opportunity to just score more. I hope he will. I hope he stays. <laughs> yeah, he gets that opportunity yeah. because he's he's got the talent and um I think he has enough hop around the rim for the next level. I mean and he's still young. So we're not saying, you know, he's gonna be NBA evaluated after this season, but like he's probably thinking after this next one sophomore yeah. year, then it's time to, you know, start thinking in those that context. So I, I really like his game. Honestly, I really do. I, I've, I've liken, liked it from the start. Um, Hunter's gotten better this season. You can see the the athletic ability, the wingspan, the ability to slash. Does he have to work on his jumper? Absolutely. That's that's something that I'm, I'm sure him and his camp would tell everybody, uh, you know, that, that would, would ask him. Mm-hmm. So that's something that um, will work over time if he puts in the reps and we'll you know, he'll get an opportunity to take those type of shots. But I think, like you said, he's starting to get it. He's starting to string together eight to 13 point type nights where you're not playing them more than 20 minutes. That's a, a beautiful thing to have off the bench. Yeah. So I think if he can just improve his jump shot, uh, you know, the game will open up a lot for him. But I think like he's starting to do the ghost cut like Joel used to do last yes. year. It's very valuable, especially with a double team center like Drew. Okay, so you got to have that on the weak side so to catch and be able to finish. He gives you, like, bursts of athleticism that, especially in the West Coast Conference, other teams don't see on the perimeter. You know what I mean? And then, you know, he can go get garbage points. Now, the next step is... Hey, bud, we love you. But now you got to get, you got to shoot 250, 500 jumpers a day. Yeah. And if you can do that and it doesn't have to be mechanically pretty, can you get it off? That's all that matters. Mechanically,
0: it's gotten better though. It since has, yeah, since high school here, clips I
1: saw. Now it's up here and yeah. it's like, okay, now at least you, that's a good sign, obviously. Cause you know, it's cognizant of like, Hey man, no matter how good I was in high school or how easy it was to get to the rim, like at this level, I can still get the rim, but I got to have to make a jump shot or people going to play five feet off of me. So to to go over the freshmen, those especially those two guys, I've, I I totally agree with you. I think they're starting to get it. Nolan has had more opportunities early to score and have shown that in previous games. But I think Hunter now is starting to fill in a role of like, hey, I can still be a slasher, be an athletic guy, play as hard as I can for five minute stretches. If I play well, I stay out there. If I don't, I'm still getting the same minutes, yeah, as I was before. So
0: you talked about the the joel Ayi cuts and mm-hmm. i'm sure the staff has shown hunter plenty of film on yeah. him cutting for you playing off the ball mm-hmm.
1: what's your determining factors on when to cut when not to cut when to space well i think you know a lot of times if you're playing with a double team center on the strong side i was always told if you cut through you wait at the rim for a second so they if they. Go back to double team, they can't just double from the strong side. If they if they don't, that's then you hold and say, okay, if they do double team from the strong side, say you're on the strong side, you made the the post entry, then it's an easy kick out, wide open shot. I always always taught, you know, look how your defender, if he's, you know, turns his head and his eyes go away from you, you go the opposite way, you know, so like back yeah. cut or cut in front. Easier said than done in, in certain offenses, because sometimes you even if the guy's turn that way, you know, if he's a smart defender, he knows you can't cut right on top of Drew Timmy going sure. to work. <laughs> so, like, he can yeah. kind of cheat that. But at the, you know, like in high school and stuff, I was always told, okay, you know, if somebody gets it inside and, and let's say my defender's here and I'm behind and his eyes are this way, I just cut right behind him yeah. and make him at least turn his hips completely, then I got him. And then the next time you can set up, to come off a shot or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I love breaking down
0: the game like that with people who know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Cause you just talked about hips. Yeah. And <laughs> as a point guard, I'm, I'm bringing the ball down in transition. I, I call it uh probing in transition. Mm-hmm. My whole goal would be to get the guy that's guarding me to turn their hips. Yeah. If I can get him turned, I can go back. I, I can get him kind of swiveling and go wherever I want on the court. Yeah. I'll make that comment and this kind of is a is a under is a jab at heister a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> but <laughs> you gotta have those. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the whole thing is defensively. their hips go one direction they can't get back in front of you going the other way and it's it's that constant read and react that you have to be able to be the one that is in charge of the action to be able to take advantage of it and i love how you put that about
1: making the cut to get him to twist yeah get him to twist and then you know a lot of times if you run split action off of, of a post entry and then that's when you get your guy to come down and then you can come off like a split screen or something like that so yeah there's always ways to do it and then a lot of times like it's like soccer, I guess. The soccer analogy is you cut knowing that you're not going to get the ball, but you just flatten the defense. It's
0: an unselfish cut.
1: It's an unselfish cut, and you got to do it. It's got to look the same. It's just like a wide receiver running routes when he knows the ball's going to get handed, handed off, but every time he goes off his break, it's the same thing. Sometimes you cut from the backside just to take away a defender, and then your, your teammate might have, be posting up or might it might allow him to have an open side where he can rip and go there's no help
0: you know who the like best that. i've ever seen at that is and people are gonna probably be like but he's the one of the greatest players ever mm-hmm. steph curry yeah no he cuts because right. he'll know he's not getting it mm-hmm. because of where the defense is but he'll cut the heck out of there so hard that he will take two defenders so and create
1: something right. open for someone else yep it's yep. so true he's a great screener as well but like uh, yeah if you can cut and set screens you're gonna allow yourself to get open i Preach that all the time to the kids I coach. Yeah. It's hard it's hard to do. It's unselfish it's an unselfish thing. And sometimes it's frustrating if you cut, 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 cut and don't get the basketball. You know, naturally it's like, well, I'm gonna go seventy five percent on this cut. But if you can, you know, train yourself or your the kids you're coaching to do it, it just opens up, you know, avenues for ball reversals where again, defense is helping and then they're against a closeout instead of already set. Yeah. And things like that.
0: Well, Adam, we're gonna wrap this episode up with one last question. I'm okay. wearing a Hickory shirt for Jimmy Chitwood. You're wearing Outcast.
1: Yeah. Big yeah. Boy or Andre 3000? Which one we got? Uh, I think Andre is a better rapper, but they're both gods. I've seen Big Boy in concert. Actually, yeah. it was good in San Diego. It was fun. Good times. Yes. I wish they'd come back and do a, like a tour, but uh, yeah, Andre doesn't do shows anymore.
0: I remember that first CD that came out. It was a CD. Yeah. Kids might listen to this now. Like, what's a CD? No. Yeah. yeah, that was a, they had a couple great albums
1: oh yeah yeah quite did nice. you did you
0: yeah. watch hoosiers all the time
1: uh yeah with your dad
0: as a coach i'm sure you had, had to.
1: yeah we watched it a couple times but uh i don't have the the facade or the the, the love of it as some people would expect there's really? other but i think i think like blue chips is a better basketball movie Really? Yeah. Nick Nolte and like Shaq and Penny, like, and it was kind <laughs> Coach of Coach you more,
0: didn't pay you any money under the table
1: to come to GU though. No, but it's just, it makes, it, it was just more realistic, I guess, True. in that sense. But um, yeah, I mean, Hoosiers is not terrible, but. Yeah. So what's your, what is your favorite sports movie? Sports movie? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Probably yeah. like Blue Chips is good. The <laughs> program's good. The old, remember the old program? I think I've seen football it Football one. Yeah. The old fo- football one. There's a lot of any getting. Uh, what's the one? Remember the Titans is one. That's of the, a good one. Yeah, one that makes you feel good about yourself and you know stuff like that. So she
0: I know said. you play poker. So if we throw poker into a sports movie theme, mm-hmm. I'm going rounders.
1: Yeah, rounders, you know, is good because there's you know, a couple like legendary scenes. As poker players, there's scenes on there that drive you nuts though. Like when they're playing that big game and they're dealing themselves. Yeah. Like that would never happen in a million years. Even if you're playing with your friends, we're not dealing. So there's going to be a designated dealer. Um, Yeah. the, the Rounders is good. I like Maverick, even though it's kind of a poker movie, but it's funny just because it's kind of cheesy Western, you know, with uh, El yeah. Gibson and he gets a Royal flush, you know, and the other guy has of a course. straight flush and the other guy has quads <laughs> and you're just like, all right, you know, but yeah, there's some good uh, poker movies, I guess.
0: Awesome. Well, For Gonzaga Nation SI, Adam Morrison, Dan Dickow, we'll be back with more this week. Check us out online on all the major social media platforms.